Well, good morning and welcome to uh, our series, The Really Wed Game. And the series is entitled, When the Honeymoon is Over and the In-Laws Are Too. And we've been talking about the realities of marriage. You not only marry your spouse, you marry into their family as well. So as we continue in our series of The Really Wed Game, we're going to play another game this morning with a real couple here from Horizon. Can we give a warm Horizon welcome to Amy and David Loke? Come on down. Join us. We are going to play the infamous shoe game. Thank you guys for being with us. Thank you. So if you want to both uh, take off a shoe and hand it to the other person, I'm going to ask a series of questions. They're going to be back-to-back. If they think that the statement applies to them or their family, they'll hold up their shoe. If it applies to the other person's family, uh, they'll hold up that shoe. As an added dilemma, uh, both of their set of in-laws go to our church and are sitting in the front (laughs) row. So this will be particularly interesting uh, as we go through the questions together. All right. Every time you get one uh, the same, I will give you a point. We'll see how many points you can get in the next few minutes together. Here we go. You guys ready? Yep. Yeah. All right. Between the two of you, who talks the most? Oh, okay. We got a clear winner, and that's, uh, that's your shoes right there, okay? Point for that one. Who is the better cook? Two points. All right. Who has lied and said you liked something the other person made to find out months or years later that it wasn't quite as much as you liked it? Okay, that's something I did to my wife one time. I get to no I points for that. Happened, she made squash our first year of marriage, and I went, oh, I, I, I hate squash. That's better than I thought. What did you do? And about two years later, she kept making it. I'm like, okay, I don't like it. I, I don't like it. All right, who has a shorter fuse? <laughs> yeah, what a cop out. No points for that one. All right, who's the first to cry at an emotional movie? Points. All right, four. Uh, who is more emotional in general? Okay, point for that one. Who's the better driver? Whoa! Who's the better backseat driver? <laughs> Man! All right. Um, who's been in the most car wrecks? <laughs> no looking! There's no looking! You just got to guess then. All right, all right. Man, you guys are good. Um, All right, in-law question. Whose in-laws will stop by unannounced? No looking. There's no looking. I'm not giving you a point for that one. All right. Whose in-laws tell the most stories? (laughs) Whose in-laws have the best sense of humor? Oh, okay, all right. Whose in-laws have the best marriage? All right, yeah. Whose in-laws would you want to live for for a year? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, all right, three more questions. All right. I'm not giving you any points for the in-law questions, by the way. Um, who mentioned marriage first? All right, point. Wow, nine. Um, who, is the, uh, who typically controls the TV remote? <laughs> all right, point. Wow, well done. Um, who, uh, who's ever watched ahead on a TV show that you said you'd watch together? Oh, you did not get it the same. Oh, you guys need to talk afterwards. No point for that one. And last question, who's most likely to wake up grumpy? Point. 11 points. Can we give them a round of applause? Nice job, guys. Thanks for being here. 11 points. Well done. Well done. Well done. 
Well, we're going to continue in our series, and we're going to look at the difference between the first three years. They both got married here on this stage three years ago. Uh, the difference between married three years and being married, you know, for sake, uh, 24 years I've been married. And we got both of their sets of families been married over 30. And so we're going to continue talking about those original vows we made to each other. And those were important vows. 10, 23 years later, what does it look like us for to continue to find out how we can extend grace to each other in family? How we can learn how to accept each other's family? How to go back to that original vow we made to each other, what marriage is about, and create the environments in our family and extended family that extends that kind of love and understanding to each other. And Ken Kinkin's with us today. He's going to share how David did that in his life and his extended family as well. So as you think about this next song, think about your future marriage if you're not married, your vows you made 10, 20, 40 years ago, and what that meant to you then, and how to recapture the magic of it and the commitment of it as you hear the song. Wow. Okay, that was pretty stinking cool. Kenny, do you know who wrote that song? Paul Stoughton. Paul Stoughton. From Peter, Paul, and Mary. Wow. That is Way awesome. before your time, dude. <laughs> that, is, that is too cool. Um, that is just an awesome song. And I've, I've heard that at several weddings, and that's awesome. It's great to be back at Horizon. And I got to say that when Chad had told me about the series, I was like, that's fantastic. That is awesome. I want to be a part of that. And then he told me the passage he was using in First in Samuel. And I'm like, I don't remember that being really a marriage passage in the Bible. And, and then today, and he says, I want you to share about how Saul, when, when David and, and had done the Goliath thing in the last two weeks, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to him. I've so enjoyed Chad speaking on that, just kind of bringing us up to speed about where things were. David kills Goliath, and then he's promised Saul's daughter, and then he marries the second daughter, and, and Saul gets jealous, and he literally, and, and today, I want us to just take a look at really two decisions for us to challenge ourselves with and ask ourselves, where am I? Because here's the basic truth. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and life to the full. Now, here's the question I want us to start asking, and we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit. Do you consider your relationships abundant and full? He says, because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Do you feel free in the, in the most elating way within our marriages, within our relationships? Or maybe if you're single here today and you're like me when I was in my 30s going, Lord, what's, what's wrong with me? I mean, I, 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 I want this. I have this desire for it, yet it's not happening. And what God showed me through that was that he, he really is wanting us to experience that. And what we're going to look at is going to do that. But I want to just kind of hit the, hit the passage here real quick. I'm going to do a brief overview of this. So, so Saul is jealous of David because David killed Goliath. And everybody's like, woo, go David. And, and, and Saul's like, I'm the king. What the crud is this? And so he starts literally being jealous to the point of David's in his chambers one day playing his harp because he's not only a, a great warrior, he is a musician too, and he's playing his harp. And David's sitting on his, or Saul's sitting on the throne watching David, and he's spinning his spear and spinning his spear. And he's like, man, I don't like that guy. He literally throws his spear at him to kill him. And David dodges it, and he says, and he did it twice. Now, I don't know how your father-in-law is with you. That, that's just not a good situation. And so David kind of catches the clue and goes, I, I don't understand this. All I'm doing is what he's asking me to do. I'm going to fight where he says fight. I'm doing everything he tells me to do. I don't understand. And then he literally, Saul, the king, puts together 3,000 of his most vicious, awesome warriors and starts chasing David to kill him. To kill him. 
And, and twice this happens where he's literally, David's running away from him. He's in this, in this desert and, and literally like Saul's coming. He's got the 3,000 with him and he's going to kill you. Now, here's the practical application for you and I. If your in-law, if your father-in-law shows up your house with, with 3,000 Navy SEALs to kill you, um, here's what you do, all right? So David, David literally, he's hiding in a cave. Saul's like, mm, here we go, potty. And he goes into the cave. And David sees him there, and the, the guys that are with him, which are 400 guys, they're like, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Kill him. He's, he's vulnerable. Kill him. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Even though his father was literally out to kill him, he's like, I'm not going to do it. But he does sneak up behind him. And I don't know how this all played out. I know he's doing his beal, and, and I, he took off his robe, or he had his robe, or some, some... Anyway, David cuts off a corner of his robe while he's not paying attention and when he leaves, David runs out and he goes, Saul! And Saul's like, they're like, there he is, let's get him. And he goes, why are you trying to kill me? He says, look at this. Even though you're that way, I'm not going to reciprocate. Because the relationship is more important than the circumstances. And I'm not going to kill you. I, I, I've got this cut off of a garment. You might want to check yours. And he's like, what the crud? And he goes, I, I, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And, and Saul's like, man, I'm so sorry. I love you. You're David. I love you. And then uh, uh, later on, he's like, okay, get the 3,000 together. We're going to go kill him again. And, and they chase after him. And he's literally, they're like, he's down in this valley. And David goes, who's going to go with me? And they're like, I'll go with you. And, and one, of his, one of his buds is like, you just give me one shot at him. I'll, I don't need two shots. I'll take one with my spear. I'll put, and God, they're asleep. And they literally walk up to him. God calls them to go into deep sleep. And David's like, okay, here he is. And they're like, kill him just kill him and he's like yeah, this is the second time he threw two spears and he went in the cave and you cut of the robe and he said oh sorry and then he's here to kill you just kill him let you don't even I'll just tell me i'll kill him there he is he's done i'll do it and he's like no no i'm not going to kill the, the lord's anointed and and he's my father and I'm, I'm not going to do that and that level of just character is amazing to me to to put the relationship over the circumstances is monumental. And he literally, he takes his spear and he takes his water jug and they leave and they wake up and they're like, look, there's David and let's, let's get him. And he's like, um, Saul, who, whose spear is this and whose jug is this? And he calls out to his bodyguard and he says, you, you stink as a bodyguard. I walked up and took his spear and his jug and could have killed him. You, you, you're not good at all. And he said, but here's the deal. I could have killed you, and I didn't. And that relationship over the circumstances is one of the critical pieces. Now, I want you and I, as I've been studying this, to ask the question, uh, how, how am I doing? And if I'm not consider, if I'm not enjoying fulfillment in my marriage, if I'm not enjoying really encouraging and fulfillment with my whole family, it doesn't matter the circumstances, I get to choose what's going to happen from there. And there's a wonderful verse in Genesis 24, and there's two words we're going to look at and then pull them together. It says simply this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's kind of a verse you'll hear it at weddings all the time. But how we leave, how we leave our, our family and go into a marriage and how we are in our marriage with our family, it changes everything. And it's really a choice that you and I have to make and we are making on a regular basis to determine whether I'm going to be fulfilled or I'm going to be frustrated. 
And here's the difference. I want you to just think of, you can hold your hand up, you don't have to, but think of a needle. And on one side is pride. On the other side is humility. And how I'm functioning within my family, me, not everybody else, just me, how I function will determine the level of fulfillment and abundance that I experience. Now, in our society, it is all about pride. And it is, it is a common experience for us to, to function out of the flesh, out of what I think, what I feel. We live in a society with millions of people that are, are functioning out of whatever I think is best, whatever I think is right, whatever I think is good, based on 24 characters. And, and I will evaluate and judge and condemn based on everything going around me in circumstances, just like Saul. But to humble myself and say, wait a minute. Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I'm going to commit to something bigger than me. Because here's the reality, and I love this quote. Humility is not the lack of strength. It is the process to wisdom and fulfillment. Humility. So where am I? Am I functioning out of pride? Look what I've done. Look who I am. Or am I functioning out of humility? What can I learn? What can I do? How can I encourage? And I, I got to function in that way. And if you're here today and you're single, let me just tell you this one word. One word changed everything for me. Now, if you were here when we did a relationship a couple years ago, I shared this. I have two records I hope nobody can beat. And that is one, I had 18 roommates. 18 roommates as a single guy. It wasn't that I was a horrible roommate. It's I married off 16 guys, all right? My friends called me Preparation K, all right? So, I mean, I just, I don't like the nickname. It was just there. Now, on the other side, I had dated seven women, seriously, like more than once. And six of them not only broke up with me, married the next guy they dated, all right? And it got me to the point where I'm like, what, what the crud, Lord? What is wrong? And it drove me to this one word. And I said, God, I I have this desire. What is wrong with me? And I stopped asking it rhetorically and started asking it practically. Because humility is when we come and we're like, what do I need to change? And this one word is simply this, am I teachable? Am I teachable? And in those areas of frustration or conflict or whatever, if we will become humble and teachable... We will start experiencing fulfillment and harmony at a level that we can't on our own. See, the problem is in our world is that, that we, we have this concept that we're already perfect. I, I did a singles conference a couple weeks ago and they said, what do you think about online dating? And I'm like, well, online dating, it's, it's, it's a non-entity. It's a, it's a neutral. But here's the deal. It's a, it's a, it's a horrible presupposition. Because we're presupposing that what I'm sharing is the perfect example of me and I'm perfect. And they're the perfect example of them and they're perfect. And thus, we, if, if all these things line up, we together will be perfect. And, and I don't know if you've looked at it very closely, but what you see and what you get in that situation is not very true. And those who have been online will, will vouch for that. And also, I love a friend of mine, a comic out in California, Paul, shared it this way. He's like, he was single till he's in his late 30s. He goes, I'm tired of people trying to fix me up. Because their presuppositions, well, I like you and I like them, so you'll like each other. And he goes, it doesn't work. He said, I like dogs and I like food, but I don't like dog food. Okay, I mean, that's, it doesn't work that way. And I've got to get honest with myself and say, okay, Lord, where do I need to change? And I love, love, love this verse in Psalm 11, I'm sorry, Proverbs 11:2. It said, when pride comes, then comes shame. He says, but with a humble is wisdom. But with the humble is wisdom. I want to read the amplified version of that. 
It said when pride, this is a, a version where they take the original language and they extrapolate on what the original words mean. It simply says this, when pride comes boiling up with arrogant attitude of self-importance, then comes dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable, who have been chastised by trials and who have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness in mind. And, and when I take that step of I want to be humble, now here's the deal. This idea of pride is that, well, if I'm, I, I just, I'm, 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 this is what I think. This is what's right. This is what's good based on who I am. And, and here's the deal. We've got to get to that point of humility. I was with a buddy of mine who was a pastor. And we were out at lunch or something. This couple came up. They said, oh, my gosh, are you Pastor Williams? And he goes, yes, I am. They said, we got a friend. And they said that you might marry us. And he goes, why, well, I, I do marriage. Yes. He said, he said uh, so, you know, tell me real quick, when are you getting married? They said, in a month. And he goes, wow, that's really quick. He said, um, well, usually if you get married in my church, you have to go through some premarital counseling. And I'm standing there. I almost laughed out loud. She goes, oh, no, no, we're good. We're good. She said, uh, this is his third marriage and my second. We've already done all that. Um, if you're looking at the scale, that would be the pride side of the scale versus the humility side. I don't think it took, I don't think you were really listening at that point because the truth is we've got to say, okay, what do I need to change? And my, my oldest son, he's a junior in college now, but when he was going for his freshman year, he was up for a president scholarship and he had to be interviewed by the president, vice president and this board. And I kind of prepped him for the interview, and he said, uh, is there anything else, Dad? Is there anything else? I said, there's, you know what? There's, there's this great question that will indicate your, your humility. And I said, there's something contagious about humility. He said, what is it? And he said, there's, I said, there's a good chance at the end of the interview, he's like, he'll say, Graham, do you, have any, do you have any questions for us? And they usually say that. And he came out and he's like, Dad, they did. They asked that question. I said, do you remember the question? He goes, yeah. He said, it was awesome to look at them. The question is simply this. They said, do you have anything you want to ask us? And he said, well, he says, I, I, I do, but I don't. He says, I'm, I'm a freshman in college. You, you're a doctor. You're the president of the university. He says, I don't even know what to ask. What question should I ask that I don't even know I should ask? And he said, they just went, Wow, dang. Um, well, and he said each of them had a different answer. And he said it was amazing because it was, I don't even know what to ask. And as wonderful and as great as marriage is, the truth is we've never been in that situation the first time for the first time of marriage. And we, we are in ignorance. And, and those who say, you know, what I think, what I feel is right and good and all this, they're literally acting out of limited knowledge, ignorant and incomplete cranial thoughts about what's going on. They don't know all the circumstances. And when we move towards that humility, it changes everything in us. And David had that, that sense within him. Uh, David in 1 Samuel 26, 20, he, he literally, in that process where his father-in-law is out trying to kill him, he had this humility of going, I, I know who I am and where I'm from. And I'm, I'm the, the youngest son of the least family in the, in the least part of the entire country. Who am I? And you're putting together 3,000 forces to come kill me? And he says this in 1 Samuel 26, 20. He says, So then do not let the blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea? As when one hunts a partridge in a mountain? 
Some, and and then the other party says, you, you've come out to seek a dead dog or the flea on a dead dog? That, who, who am I? Who am I? He understood his position. He had this humble mindset and this humble heart. And if you and I will take that and say, okay, if I'm going to leave with an attitude of humility that I've got a lot to learn, that changes everything. It changes it no matter the circumstances, no matter who else is involved. If I come at it humbly, it changes everything. And then the second is that, that word cleave and how I cleave, how I come together changes everything. Am I going to come in an area of arrogance or confidence? And that's a tough one to define, but I would define it this way. I was talking to another buddy of mine, John Brandy, and he's another comic. We were on the road together, and he says, you know what? I've been reading this article, and there's this thought out there that women love to be mistreated. And I was like, have you tried that with your wife? I mean, how's that working out for you? And he's like, no. He says, but it, it really bears some some consideration. He says, there's this whole article. It's not a Christian article. He says, hey, um, here's the deal, that women are drawn to bad boys. And they hang around guys who treat them poorly. And I said, you know what? I've seen that. I've seen that truth. But here's the deal. And as I got into it more and prayed through it and looked at it, here's what I've discovered. Women are wired to be drawn to confidence. And when the absence of confidence, they will misjudge arrogance as confidence. And they'll be drawn to it. And the difference between arrogance and confidence is very simple. It's the idea of where is my my trust? Where is my faith? Where is my hope? Where is my core of my being? Is it in myself or is it in something bigger than myself? Truth. Truth from God himself. God himself. Where is that? Because I've seen guys that that are very confident and and they don't have the the resume to be so. But I'm like, man, you're a great guy. It's because they based it on the truth and following the truth. And I saw this. Now, here's the deal. In our society, we tend to, and I'm so excited about the authentic men deal we're doing the next six weeks. Because we're going to identify this truth. This idea of confidence versus arrogance. And to be able to realize who God really made us to be. And I'm very excited about that. I can't wait to be a part of that. But here's the deal. In our society, we like do something successful. Get successful at something. And thus, everything else should just fall into place. Everything else should be all right. And what we see in our society a lot of times is we'll see men specifically who become successful in an area. And then instead of dealing with the others and humbling themselves, becoming teachable in the area of, of relationships and, and in-laws and that, they just like, well, they become workaholics and they keep moving that way. I've got a good buddy. I'll call him Tate because that's his name. And uh, Tate, <laughs> Tate was an actor in Hollywood for a little while. He came back and he started a, a shoe company that's now an international uh, shoe company with, for women's athletics and is, is tremendously successful. Didn't get married till later in his 30s, and he found the perfect version of what he thought was the wife. And he and I had lunch about a year after he'd been married, and I just said, man, how's it going? Now, here, super hyper-successful businessman. And I said, how's it going? And here was his answer. And he goes, well, I mean, you know. And I was like, no. I said, what, what's going on? And he said, well, let me just say this. If you ask a question that you want an honest answer, expect an answer you don't want to hear. And I said, wow. I said, how's that working with your wife? And he said, not real good. And I was like, I can't imagine why. 
Because here's the deal. He was functioning out of arrogance versus confidence. Arrogance saying, you know what, here's what I think, how I am, versus who is God and what does he say, and how do I relate the way he longs? Do I, am I cherishing? Am I nourishing? Or am I functioning out of arrogance? In, in this, David was in the battle in, in 1 Samuel 17. He comes to the front lines, and there's Goliath. And it describes Goliath. This man was over nine feet tall. The armor he wore weighed over 125 pounds. And David is a little shepherd. But see, David was not arrogant. He was confident. And he walks up and he's seen this guy who's walked out for 40 days. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, look how huge he is. Who, uh, I, I'm not going down there. He will kill me instantly. They said just his spearhead was 15 pounds. I mean, just this is a massive man. But see, David was not looking through the eyes of himself. He was looking through the eyes of God. And in, I want to make sure, in, in, uh, let me get the right, oh, 1726, in in Samuel 1726, David writes this, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And this is my favorite line. He said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who, who should defy the armies of the living God. His faith was not in himself. It was in God. And he's like, who is this guy? He's standing against God. He's not standing against me. He's not standing against you. He's standing against God. And that level of confidence, not arrogance, was here's, here's what's going on, and, and I get it, and I'm going to step in, and I'm going to take up for this. It says this in Samuel, uh, I'm, yeah, 1 Samuel 18, 14, it says, And the Lord was with him. And if you read this story, I encourage you, this is one of the best books I've ever read. It's a great story. Read 1 Samuel, the whole thing. But you'll see there probably three or four times through that, and it says, And the Lord was with him. I shared this last time I was here in Psalm 23. One of my favorite parts as I was going through open heart surgery was, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. One of my favorite verses has become Isaiah 41.10. And and God says, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will be there at, at my righteous right hand. And it's like, wow. So this with is the difference. So am I depending on myself, which is arrogance, or am I depending on God? And am I really in that relationship with him? Because if I depend on that relationship, all the other relationships, when I get to that point of saying, I'm going to function out of confidence, not arrogance, takes, it's, it takes the difference. Now, here's the deal. If I choose to, to realize, and I'm like, man, I'm on the pride and arrogance side, here's the results of that. Jealousy, rage, anger, clouded judgment, and a lack of truth. And we see that in Psalm. When you read this story, it's there. If I choose to say, okay, Lord, where do I need to change? What do I need to do? Then what happens is we find wisdom and success and peace. Now, when we weave those two together, humility and confidence or arrogance and pride, we're going to see the weaving of that will either end in turmoil or peace. Now, I wanted to encourage you just for a second, think about those maybe in your family. Maybe it's in-laws, maybe it's even a spouse right now, maybe it's a child where you have turmoil. Ask yourself, would I like to experience peace? The obvious answer is yes. Then ask the question, am I willing to humble myself and say, God, help, because I don't know what to do here. 
And, I, I, and, and Lord, I, I want to be confident, and the only confidence comes from your truth. So will you show me in your truth where I need to change, what we need to do here. When we do that, it changes everything. I have a friend from college that was a mayor in a, in a, in a small town in middle Georgia, not a small town, a mid-sized town in middle Georgia. And I love this. He said to Ken, my first week in office was brutal. He said, I followed a mayor who is now in jail and he literally extorted money from the city. And, and I had hundreds of people saying, I want to meet with you. And he says, they lined up to come in my office. After, after about the third or fourth one, he literally said, okay, give me five minutes. And he said, I got on my knees behind my desk. I said, God, help. I, I don't know what to do here. And he says, can I really think God gave me this? And he said, I, I literally humbled myself and I said, Lord, what is your truth? And he said, this came to me and it wasn't there before and I believe it was from God. He said, the next several people that came in, I started this process. They would come in, he said, sit down. They started their problems and he goes, okay, um, okay, I want you to tell me the problem, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to point at me while you're doing it. And I'm like, okay. And he says, no, I want you to point at me and tell me every detail of it. And they're like that and they'd start dropping there. He said, no, 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 keep pointing at me. And they're like pointing at him. They keep pointing at him. And he's like, oh, wow. He says, now, um, let me just say, I totally agree with you. I am 100% in agreement, but I need to ask you a question. I said, sure. And he goes, how many of your fingers are pointing back at you? Well, three. And he says, see, here's the deal. I don't need to know the problems. I got plenty of problems and I got a good grip on what the problems are. What I need is solutions. And I need people to bring me solutions. So here's what we're going to do. Next week at the same time, I want you to come back with three solutions. And which one you think is the best of those three solutions. And I want you to tell me how I can help you bring that change. He said, Ken, over 300 people walked through my door. One came back. He says, because we live in a society with a death grip on the obvious. And he said, but, but we need people who are humble and confident saying, okay, I'm willing to humble it. I don't know the solutions. I'm going to pray through it. I'm going to get there. And I remember this as well. There was a, a church in our area and I counseled both sides and it was, it was frustrating. And this, this pastor, this young guy that I'd actually put in the position, um, he said, you know, they're doing this wrong and they're doing, I'm like, you know what? And there was a lot of tension but God was still moving in this area. And, and he says, I want you to come as we start this new work. And I said, absolutely. And I got there with probably about 150 people. And I, I told him, I said, I want you to do me a favor right now. And I want you to, if you want to do this exercise, it's good. I want you to think of the person that is the most frustrating in your world. I mean, that if they were eliminated, life would be better. Okay, I want you to get that for And I want you to literally take your fist. Everybody to take your fist. Even if you're not going to think of a person, take your fist for a minute. And I want you to think of that person, not two, just one, okay? I got two people on the truth. Okay, you can do two. Um, I want you to think about them. I want you to get them clearly in your mind. And I was telling this, this group this, and I said, this is the person that if they didn't do what they did, you would not be hurt. If they didn't do what they did, you would not be frustrated. If they didn't do what they did, there would be no hurdle. And I want you to get that firmly in your mind. And, and man, there were some people out there, mm, okay. I said, I want, I want you to get it so clear that if I brought them in front of you right now and said, you can do anything you want, you would punch them in the face. That's that person. I want that person in your mind. And they're like, mm, okay. I said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to let it go. Let it go. Because here's the deal. God knows. God is sovereign. 
and he has forgiven me. And it doesn't change the circumstances. It may not change the situation, but guess what it changes? Me. Because when I release the prisoner, I find the prisoner was me. Because here's the deal. I love the way my brother Ken uh, Williams shared this. He says, bitterness and frustration is drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. And we're drinking the poison. And that humility is saying, okay, God, I believe you're so big that I'm going to let this go because you're going to deal with this. David said, God, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to kill him because I trust you over me. And I'm going to be confident in you and what you can do, not what I, I can manufacture. And when I get to that point, it changes everything. There's a, a verse in Matthew that says, if you know somebody has something against you, leave your offering, go to them and make that right. Reconcile that. It, it only takes one in the, in the equation to do that. And if, if I'm doing it this way in, in Luke 6.35, Jesus says, love your enemies and do good and give, expecting nothing in return. That's humbling ourselves to say, God, I trust you to do for me. Even, even if you don't, I trust you that you're sovereign. If I'll get to that point, I want to give you one quick example of how in our marriage, my wife and I really got through this. We're in Isla Ojaras, Mexico. It's this private island. Every day we did something fun and different. One day she goes, I want to paddleboard. I'm like, all right, let's paddleboard. And we go down to the little beach there and uh, Juan was there. He goes, Mr. Ken, it's so nice to see you. You want to paddleboard? I got to paddleboard. You'll get to paddleboard. And he says, okay, here's the rules. Um, see the uh, dock way over there? No go past the dock. And then over by the dolphins, no go past that dock. And then about 80 yards out is the current. No go past the 80 yards, you end up South America. It's a strong current. <laughs> And we get on the paddle boards and we start going and my wife says, I want to go see the dolphins. And so we go over to the dolphin dock and we're as far as you can go and we're looking under. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. The front two rows, there's eight dolphins right there. I'm like, this is so cool. Now my wife is the spontaneous one. I am the rule follower. She goes, you know what? I bet if we go around the dock, we could see more dolphins. And I said, well, da, you know, Juan said, no, go around the dock. And, and she's... She said, well, come on, what were they going to call the paddleboard police? And she starts paddling. Now, all I'm going to say is when we get to heaven and I meet Adam and Eve and that whole apple thing, I got no stones to throw at Adam, okay? Because all I did was like, okay, okay. And I just went right with her. And we get around there and it opened up and there were hundreds of dolphins and it was one of the coolest things ever. And then out of nowhere, I just hear this. I'm like. Is that the paddleboard police? <laughs> and I look at the dock that we'd come past. There is a ship. It's not a boat. It's a ship. And it's coming directly at us. Just I'm like, huh? and I look and I did the math and I just yelled over my shoulder. We got to go. And I started paddling as hard as I could. And he starts honking more. I'm like, I am going as fast as I can. And I get around the dock. And he starts honking more. I'm like, dude, I am nowhere near the dock. And when I did that, I looked, and there's my wife in no man's land going, ha, ah, ah. ha. And I did the calculation. I'm like, she's not going to make it. And she said, what do I do? And I was like, go the other way. And she starts going, and, and she gets, and within seconds, the ship comes in, and she disappears, and I'm standing there. I have never had a more empty feeling in my life. I'm like, 
it was a good 20 years. Um, <laughs> and as soon as he docked, I, I just did this emptiness. I go out to where I can see around the ship. And when I can see around, there's my wife. She is paddling as hard as she can. And she's going about that fast because she's in the current. And I was just like, ah! And I said, she just screams. She goes, and just desperation. What do I do? And I was like, paddle harder! And that's all I had. And she waved to me, but she only used one finger. Um, and, I, and I went out to her, and she drops on the board, and she grabs it, and we get around to safety, and, and we're in the cove. And she's like, why did you leave me? And I was like, well, you broke the rules. And that's... And it was just, ah. now I've heard this phrase and I made a decision that day and I, and I, and I literally humbled myself and I thought, I, I, I heard the phrase, you, in a marriage, you can be happy or you can be right. And I want to add one to that because I don't care if I'm happy or right. And we had dinner that night and we're looking out over the cove and we're just laughing about the whole thing. And I said, honey... I don't care if I'm ever right again. I know I'm going to be right and wrong. And I, you know, happy comes and goes. But I want to be together. I'm going to be together. You get hit by the ship, I get hit by the ship. I'm, I'm not ever going to have that experience again. And if we're together, and if we together, or really just one of us makes that decision and says, Hey, I, I, I want to be together on this. And whatever we decide, and to humble myself to go, Hey, I, I love you. I'm committed. I took that vow, all right? I'm committed. And there's been a couple arguments we've had where she's just heated. I'm like, hey, I love you. She says, I love you too. You know, just. <laughs> and it just breaks the ice to go, you know what? I, whatever I need to change, I'm going to change. I, I want to be teachable. And my confidence is not in me. It's in this truth. And every time I trust it and every time I look at it, it changes everything. And when we weave those two together, it literally, that relationship over the circumstances, it changes everything. So I, I'm so glad you're here today. If you don't mind, let me just pray for us. And then I want to just give you one quick idea. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And I pray that you would just draw our minds clearly where we are. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to us. Do we want to humble ourselves? Do we want to be confident instead of arrogant? And when we weave those together, Lord, you do amazing, amazing things. Lord, we come to you. I pray for anybody that doesn't know you personally to realize you really do want us to have the abundant and full life possible. And it comes from knowing the truth because the truth will set us free. In Christ's name, amen. If you are a man here today, and it appears like many of you are, um, the, the staff here has invited me to come back Sunday night and Monday morning for the next tonight, starting tonight, uh, for the next six weeks. And we're going to look at this series called authentic, being an authentic man. And I don't know about you, but I just feel attacked in our society. If you're a man, what does that mean? What, at, at what stages? And, and I've looked over all the material, but specifically the first ones, this is something I want to go through. And uh, you are welcome. If you're a man, you're welcome to come here. It's tonight, and it's in the morning at 6 a.m., and it's tonight at, at 8 o'clock, and it'll be about an hour and a half. 
we'll start on time and on time. But it's just an easy look. And if you're specifically, if you've been coming for a while, but you haven't really plugged in anything, this is the perfect opportunity. Um, I'll be doing just like a quick 20-minute piece, and then we'll break into just some discussions. You don't have to talk. You can talk. Meet some great guys. I think the sign-up's out there. But uh, thanks for coming today. Thanks for being here. And uh, make that choice. God bless you. Have a great weekend.